Raised on D&D Podcast helps enrich your family's gaming experience by bringing you interviews with parents, educators, game designers, and influencers. Join us as we delve into the many ways that tabletop role-playing games inspire creativity, develop communication skills, and create lasting bonds among players. Your host has been an avid gamer since childhood, and now his kids are being raised on D&D. Here's your host, Nick Carterelli. Welcome back, gamers. I'm your host, Nick Cartarelli, and this is Raised on D&D. My next guest was born in Wales. He's lived in Australia and now resides in Virginia, USA. He's a voice actor, online pro dungeon master, and an experienced strength and conditioning coach. On Instagram, he's the Swole Initiative, blending fitness with the tabletop role-playing game world. He's launching the Swole Initiative Network on Twitch. Please welcome the Viking DM, Jay Foster. Hey, Jay, (laughs) thanks for being on the show. What's up, man? Thank you for having me. Glad to be here. Jay, we're so excited. We're excited for all the projects you got coming out, especially the Swole Initiative Network coming out in just a few days. And we're going to talk about all of that. But before we jump into it, can you take us back to your very first experience with tabletop role-playing games, where your love for Dungeons and Dragons and role-playing games really started? Yeah. So um, this might be a slightly different answer to um, what you're probably used to. I'm not going to tell you that I've got 20 years experience with D&D and stuff, but I grew up in Wales. We have a giant red dragon on our flag. So dragons and fantasy and legend has always, it's been ingrained in us. And we're, we're very much a storytelling community as, as, as Welsh folk, Welsh folk, kind of like owl folk, I guess, (laughs) but as Welsh people, (laughs) um, we take pride in our storytelling and things. So grew up loving fantasy. I didn't have any friends who also wanted to play D and D. So I didn't really get into it for a long time, but I was anytime I could read like anything like my uncle's dungeon magazines and little bits and pieces of lore. I would just like gobble it up, like all the gray Hawk and forgotten realm stuff. Um, it got to a, to a point where I was like, I really want to play. And so I got handed down and you may have heard of these, um, a bunch of Ian Livingston books, the um, choose your own adventure books. Yes. And, and they were like, you know, and one to two inches thick. And it was all like based on dice rolls and things. And you would go through the adventure yourself and choose at certain points. And you would have to flick to a certain page, a certain paragraph to find out what happens next. And so that's what really got me into this style of playing. But it wasn't until um, 2020 that I got into it. So I've only actually been playing for about two years. Wow. Was it the lockdowns that was the catalyst? Yeah. I mean, so... I had gotten to this uh, this place where I really, really wanted to play. And I was talking to my wife about it a lot. And I was like, I really want to play. I really want to play. And I don't know how to get this started because I don't know how to play. So I don't know how to form a group of other people who don't know how to play. So, yeah. So I started. So we got sent home to work like most people did. And so I worked in finance and so I was moving money around for a lot of very rich people. And while I was bitter about that and kind of mumbling under my breath, I had critical role playing 
next to me. And so I would watch them play. And that's more or less how I learned was from watching them play. And so it kind of kept rolling. And then um, a friend of mine uh, who was at NPC Voices on Instagram um, he lived in Northern Virginia at the time and he agreed to come down and run a one shot for me and my wife. Wow. So that was, that was a little bit after the lockdown, but he came down and yeah, we, we, we made characters for like five hours with backstories <laughs> and everything. And it was like 3am when we got done. And then the next day we ran a one shot. And I just, I, I fell in love with it. And so that one shot ended up turning into a campaign. I brought a couple of my friends in and things. And so that's what we would do. We would do one weekend out of a month and it would be like two back-to-back nine hour games. Wow. And I, it was always like, I kept checking my watch and I was like, ah, oh, it's going to be over in a minute, like nine hours in. Like, <laughs> yep. So, yeah, I, I was addicted from there. That is incredible. Uh, and Jay, how soon after those first experiences did you say, I need to get behind the DM screen? That I kind of fell into it <laughs> uh, or fell over the screen, I guess. It, it got to this point where it was really hard for us to organize these weekend games and things. And, you know, we, we felt guilty being parents to like have our kids kind of locked away for one weekend uh, <laughs> out of the month. It was kind of like, Oh, Oh no, this kind of feel two kinds of ways about this. Like I want to play, but kind of feel a little crappy about the kids not being like out in the room. We lived in a much smaller house at the time as well. So didn't have like the studio basement that I have right now. When it became hard to organize these games, I was just like, Hey Josh, we're not going to be able to keep doing this. Like it's not, it's just not working with our family unit and things like I love it, but I can't do it. But the group of us still really wanted to play. And so one of the players had DM'd a couple of different RPGs before and so agreed to do this one game. And so I said that, well, I wanted to learn eventually, so I guess I'll just jump in the deep end. That's kind of how I do everything in my life. Yeah, I just started from there. And so I picked up the campaign and kind of retconned several things because I didn't know where it was going and then rewrote it, uh, which is a campaign that's still going right now. My friend John picked up and did a separate campaign that he wanted to do because he had this story idea in his head. And so we would alternate weeks. So we would switch from campaign to campaign. And that way, because both of us work a lot as well. So it was like finding the time to be able to write like decent stories and not just kind of cobbled together um, stuff where we could both like really give it. And also there was less pressure on us to like perform on a moment's notice. Uh, Absolutely. That a lot of folks don't realize that that DM pressure that's real when you're a young single college guy, Hey, you got all the time in the world to bring that energy and to work on it all throughout the week. But when your family is a priority, uh, it's hard to do. So that's great that you guys were able to kind of go back and forth and you're still playing every week, but you're not having to dungeon master every week. That's fantastic. And, And now Jay, you're a husband and a father. And we know that your wife is also a gamer. 
have you introduced tabletop role-playing games to the children? Yes. So, well, I tried with one. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Betty, uh, my wife, Betty, it took her a little longer to fall in love with it as much as, as much as I did, but now she's like fully invested. She wanted Jackson, our son to um, play in a one shot with her, with me DMing it for her birthday. And so he was like, okay, yeah, I'll do it. I'll do it. Like talking to me about things and bouncing character ideas off it. And then all of a sudden he was like, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. I just want to play magic. And I was like, magic's a ripoff. That's just how they make their money. Uh, (laughs) Controversial statement. I'm just not like a card player. So uh, so I was like, oh, okay. Like, okay. And he's kind of shy. So I, I think when it was time to like, really think about like, oh, I'm going to have to like act as a character. Cause he's watched me and I do all these voices and things. And so I get fully invested in the acting side. Cause especially with NPCs. So I think he's, he's always watched when we played. And so he'll sit there and he'll watch. Um, and he, laughs his little head off like for most of it but then when it came to like oh i'm gonna have to do this i think he just really became um very insular about it and kind of withdrew away so we kind of we left it and then it came around to i want to say like a month before his 12th birthday and we were asking him what he wanted to do for his birthday. Like COVID was still a thing. And so uh, trying to be uh, protective, but at the same time, not just shutting his life down. Um, yeah. So finding that balance there. And he was like, so we were like, what, what kind of party do you want? Do you want to do this? Do you want to do that? Do you want to go somewhere and do something with just the family? Or what do you want to do? And he was like, I really want to play D&D. Wow. And I was like, okay. And he was like, and I really want to invite, and he said, the crew around. <laughs> and it was at that moment that a single tear formed in the corner of my eye. <laughs> and I was like, I guarantee that everyone would totally be down to run a one shot. Did it happen? Did he stage fright again? Or did he go in and, and just bloom at the game table? So I didn't really give him a choice. I dropped him in at the deep end. It started with him and it started with him having to go and find his uh, team that he had that was hired, but he hadn't met them yet. And so I had him walk into a tavern, you know, he met in a tavern. Yes. So I had him walk into the tavern uh, in it, I've actually made it canon in my world of Galia as well. So he's part of the history, which is pretty cool. But so he walks in, he walks into there and he's a detective. Um, But he's a, what was he? He was a, I think it was a half orc. No, he was a tiefling. He ended up on a tiefling. This changed multiple times, but he ended, (laughs) he ended on a tiefling. He wanted to be an eight foot tiefling. That was a detective, (laughs) but he was also a gunslinger. So yes, all the things. So I was like, yes, do it. Yep. I was like, can I, can I have a wolf pet? And I was like, absolutely. 
I'm going to kill it, but you can absolutely have it. I'm kidding. (laughs) Um, That's fantastic. And, you know, that we talk about that a lot on the show uh, that when, especially when you're introducing uh, tabletop role-playing games to kids, sometimes they'll be like, I want to be this and a this and a this, and I want to be able to do this. And the best thing for that, uh, that dungeon master to do is to say, you know what? Absolutely. We're going to make that work. Jackson is 12. And Mm -hmm. how old is your other child? Uh, Saren, my daughter. Saren is the Welsh word for star. Um, And uh, she will, well, she's four now. Yeah. Okay. Her birthday was on January 25th. So, yeah. My children, I have three. They're uh, 16, 14, and 13. Sorry. I, 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 there are a lot to keep up with, (laughs) but, but we've been, we've been gaming together for, uh, 11 years. We've been playing tabletop role-playing games together. Um, and so we started when they were very, very young. Um, and so because of that, Back uh, 11 years ago, there weren't a lot of games available. Uh, I just had to kind of water down 3.5 D&D or Pathfinder and kind of give it to them in, in little chunks, little bites until they were kind of catching on. But now now there's a, all kinds of role-playing games uh, for four and up. Amazing Tales, Hero Kids, uh, Playground Adventures. There's all kinds of uh, fantastic games out there that uh, are geared right for that age group. If you don't feel like they're ready for Dungeons & Dragons at four, there are some beautiful, beautiful alternatives. So that is fantastic though, that you guys are all gaming together as a family. And how did Jackson end up liking that birthday adventure? Did he, uh, was he excited? Did he want more? Oh, he loved it. He loved it. So he's a big video gamer. And so it was, it was a little bit kind of breaking that video game mindset. Um, which like, I guess, I guess you may not have had that because you've been gaming for so long with them um, from like pre video game age. So he's very much a video gamer. Um, So kind of breaking through that and just asking him a lot of just very open questions. Like, Hey, what do you want to do? Like, what are you going to do? This is happening. What do you do? Uh, And then he just got right into it. And he was like coming back with answers, like snap. He ended up, he he did some pretty grisly things. (laughs) Um, It was like, he he wanted to run, he wanted, he wanted a horror one shot. Wow. So I had, um, you may need to help me with this, but there's um, Forgotten Realms, I think. No, it's Dragonlance lore um, about the, the Death Knight of the Black Rose. Yes. I forget his I forget his name. So I based it on that. Okay. And uh, uh that oh of course because you asked me, I, I can't remember, but yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yes, I know I can see him. I know exactly yes. who you're talking about. Yep. That's so, that you know, is- the whole the whole tragic story about being tricked and going paranoid and then him having a chance to redeem himself, and then he ends up failing at that. And so he gets cursed into being a death knight and the and then banshees sing about how 
terrible he's been for the rest of eternity around him. Yes. Yes. He's uh, <laughs> uh, it, it, such an icon, uh, such a, it, it, not just a, a Dragonlance, but a Dungeons and Dragons icon uh, of that scary death knight. Lord Soth. Lord Soth. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I was getting confused with War Duke. That's what it was. Yes. Um, yes. He's, he actually is kind of, and he's been described by fans as the Darth Vader of Dragonlance because he has a very similar backstory and then he becomes yeah. this, this dark legend and he, he just, was the, so good. And then he just gets tainted by this yes. little thing, which then snowballs. And, and, and he, it just is just his name in strict strikes fear. You, you made him the focal point of Jackson's birthday horror adventure. Yeah. And so there was like, basically he had, um, there was a religious leader um, who was corrupt and was trying to rid the undead, knowing that Soth was um, in the area. And so was trying to do that. And so Soth kind of came back and cast out a plague of um, like zombification, like undead. And so he was having to deal with like, and it was all in the frozen wastelands and things. So like, there was like ice and like zombies would like punch their way out of the ice as they walked past and things. And um, there was the one guy that hired his detective agency um, that he met that was kind of introducing him to these areas like, Hey, we need to stock up. Let's go to this shop. And as they leave the tavern, um, he gets uh, grabbed by this kind of half torso that's on the ground, like hidden in the ice under the steps. And so they start the combat and things and all that goes. And then, you know, they, they get to the, um, the store and I think he rolled like a perception check or something. And he saw that the, the, the guy that hired him was like scratching his leg a lot. Uh Oh, uh Oh, the, the bite. And not telling anybody about the bike. Yeah, yeah, he was. Like, <laughs> he, he was a dirtbag, and so he was that guy that got bit and didn't say anything. And uh, I, I think it was—I think it was Betty that was like, "Hey, look, let's let's roll up your pant leg and let's see what's there." And like before that could happen, he just like cocked his pistol and took him out point blank. And I was like, "Whoa!" <laughs> and then the shopkeeper ran off. So then he started trying to chase him down because he's like, no witnesses. And I'm like, this is going a very dark way. We haven't even started the story. <laughs> that, that's, that's that video game training right there. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I was like, oh. <laughs> Luckily, his perception roll for that wasn't very high. So the guy got away at least. <laughs> That is fantastic. Oh, that's amazing. And I, I take it that your buddies who came and played with them uh, had uh, a blast because uh, when you put a new player, especially uh, children at the table, it is, uh, it is like playing the game for the first time through their eyes. And when you have that new player at the table who, who doesn't know what a cobalt is or is, you know, or is like, Oh, we're going to a tavern. Oh, wow. This is amazing. Everybody gets that feeling. Everybody gets that first time Christmas feeling uh, at, at, at the game table. And that's just wonderful. 
So Jay, I want to ask you, you, you started off gaming uh, with your buddies, you're gaming with your family now. When did you decide, you know what, I'd like to do this online. I'd like to, I'd like to be an online pro dungeon master. Yeah. So um, that kind of came about as well. So that was, I've always got with my personal brand and things, I've always got like the next step and like what's after that and after that. And so I've got several steps. And so my idea was, cause a couple of um, like Twitch channels had reached out to me and asked me to, um, to come in and guests and things. And so um, the one that I landed with was um, fabled 42. It's just the timing just worked out for when I came to this house and had the studio and had the area had the time, you know, I could be loud and I wasn't going to wake up kids, things like that. Um, and I got invited to um, jump into a campaign, which um, I'm still in, which is the legends of Shargal, um, which is just chaos in a bubble. Like it's, <laughs> I could go down so many tangents telling you about that. So I'm, I'm going to sidestep that. Um, oh, we're just, we're just going to direct folks to <laughs> fable 42 so that they can <laughs> catch up on that campaign uh, yep. that you're in. That's fantastic. So I started playing there and then I was like, Oh man, I love this. Cause the, um, you get to play with so much more experienced players, like so many more experienced players, like that and most of them are all dungeon masters themselves so they know how the game runs so the characters are set up great um but everyone's based around the story rather than just like min maxing <laughs> and um which i'm kind of both um uh and i was just i was just loving it and you know i get to pull out the voice acting and things and we do all of our uh, characters in cosplay as well so it's so much easier to be in character as well so fantastic i started awesome. so there's a second campaign that i was in and then i started joining in one shots uh, on there as well just because i was like this is just really really cool it's not the same as a home game i will say yes um it's much harder to improv off people and kind of bounce off because you don't have that direct eye contact mm -hmm. um, to kind of see where people are going before they do it. Um, so the, the group takes a lot longer, but I digress. Um, no, and I understand. Um, I've been a dungeon master on Roll20 since 2013. And the one thing that I enjoy most about online tabletop is... I can play with people from all over the world. I've had games with people from New Zealand, Canada, France, and Germany all at the same table. And we're enjoying this game together. And that would never happen unless we all somehow found each other at Gen Con one year, you know, that kind of thing. So Absolutely. the fact that we're able to connect with gamers from all over the world and be able to enjoy our hobby together has been, uh, has been wonderful. So, but yes, it's not the same as sitting at the table, especially as a dungeon master. It's very hard to read the table and kind of see, you know, where are we going and do we need to change the tempo and things like that? It takes a little bit longer for that to catch on. I agree with you hundred percent. Absolutely. So then it kind of, it went from there to being like, well, I wanted to start, a Swole Initiative channel 
And my idea was eventually I would go on and DM on that one and continue playing with the guys at Fable. It got to this point where I was just like, you know what? Like they've built up this following and they have like some great fans and they have great players and cast members and things. And so I was like, why don't I just bring my brand into Fable 42? And so I started speaking with um, Chris Solo, who was uh, running the channel. And he was like, well, what does that look like? And I said, well, eventually I was going to bring a game. And so Chris is a high charisma uh, person. And so his, his persuasion roles are pretty high. (laughs) And so eventually it was like, okay, so we're starting a campaign in like three months. And I was like, okay, (laughs) he hadn't seen me DM once. He'd just seen me playing. Um, So that was like a, that was a big test of faith. But then I, uh, we had like a mini, um, mini kind of convention online. And so I ran a one shot that was based on a one shot character that I had in one of Chris's uh, like charity drive campaigns, who was Ugmug, the uh, bugbear monk. <laughs> and so the fans just kind of fell in love with him. <laughs> I just kind of made him as this throwaway character and everyone fell in love with him. Ugg hugs became a thing. It was, it was crazy time. So I brought him back. And so it was like this quest to go and save his soul. And so everyone jumped into that. And that was my first taste of DMing online. And I was like, Ooh, this is very different. Um, and so, but I'm glad I did the one shot first. Yes. Because then I was going to be more than prepared for when the campaign started, because we had like all of my players and I'm, I'm really, really honest when I say that I'm super blessed to have the players that I do because they're incredible and they eat up every little bit of law that I drop in front of them. And they like, they want more and they got to figure things out all the time. I'm like, yes, this is what I want. Um, Cause I'm a very um, sort of sit back and let the players go kind of dungeon master. And I'll just watch mm-hmm. and then add things in if needed, but I want them to drive the story. Um, and so they're very like plot driven and things, which is great. Cause I've given them like five different plots at once. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you can only pick one and something's going to happen when you don't pick the other ones. Um, but everyone had really deep dived into their characters and I was able to like pull them into like various parts of the world really easily. And they're like, yes, I love this. And it was really, really cool because I hadn't fully fleshed out my world. And so by talking with them and them deciding what they wanted to do shaped my world. Cause I was like, yeah, I can make a place for that. Yeah. I can make a place for that. Yeah. That fits like, I'll make something around here. And it's, it's been, it's been really, really cool. Um, that's a but, be- beautiful organic way of world building. Uh, I personally like to start really small, uh, and then as the players expand and they uh, explore, um, you know, the map is not just opening for them; it's opening for me, and it, it may be opening for me moments before it opens for them. And it, but it's it's such. I, I find it to be such a joint cooperative creativity and it's so much more satisfying 
there's nothing wrong in not knocking, you know, spending 40 hours um, drawing your own maps and, and, you know, your own continents and, you know, right down to every little shop. Those are amazing campaigns as well. But there's just something special about sitting down with your table and knowing, sometimes just you, the dungeon master, knowing that you've made this world together and it makes it all that much more special. So that, that that's, that's wonderful. I, I, I love that. Yeah, absolutely. You have uh, in a very short time, you've really embraced tabletop gaming um, and in, and every Avenue in just a couple of days, your own Twitch channel is going to launch. It's so exciting. Give us a sneak peek. Tell us what's going to happen on February 21st when we tune in for Twitch for that first game. Tell us about it. Oh, man. You know, what's funny is my game isn't going to be the first game. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. This is kind of a collaboration with myself and uh, Diane at the Pretty DM on Instagram. Um, She's quickly become one of mine and Betty's, like, best friends um she dms the legends of shargal that i mentioned earlier so that campaign is actually moving over to the swole initiative network as well um and so that game so i can't tell you exactly what's gonna happen but i know it's gonna be off the charts insane because that game doesn't go by like it turns into we have like these really heartfelt moments that turns into like a sitcom that then like we ran into like a vampire almost queen and then ended up instead of eradicating the vampires, my chaotic neutral Goliath bard came up with an idea to start a blood bank business. So, so we take the, take the blood from people who want to drink ale, give them ale tokens. They go and drink and then we take the blood and sell it to the vampires. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's just the, the, the tiniest bit of uh, chaos that goes into that game. But um, we will have that on Mondays. So that'll be um, oh, just a couple of days from now. Um, I've got a lot to do. <laughs> um, so there'll be that on Monday. Um, and on Friday will be the fables of Galia, which is my show. Um, and I am really, really blessed to work with the companies that I am working with. I'm working with, um, nine realms gaming for all of our woodwork and things. They made the, uh, custom DM screen, um, with the, the show logo and things. And you can see that on the Twitch channel and things as well. So I always have like the screen out so you can see it. Um, I'm working with, uh, Griffin co that are this amazing married couple, small business, 3d printing, absolute tabletop maniacs. And also, uh, Norse foundry dice. So we have the Viking theme, right? Nine realms and Norse foundry and, me, the Viking DM. So I'm working with all of these guys that are coming together to support me in this endeavor, which is freaking incredible. Um, and I'm so excited about it. And I, I just feel so grateful for the community that's kind of embraced me in such a short amount of time as well. But I've got, um, we've got plans to do uh, a talk show uh, where we'll have 
players or just guests from the tabletop community in, uh, and we're calling that insight check. Um, Side check. Okay. And also we will have a, eventually uh, a mini painting show, um, which I'm messing around with the name on that. We haven't quite solidified on that. I'm thinking it's going to be like true colors. You're an avid miniature painter. Is that right? <laughs> avid. Yeah. Avid with like a 20 year break. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I, I picked up uh, miniature painting again. This is all for the story, right? I started reading a lot of Warhammer 40k and the books and things. The books are incredible. Yes. The game is overly complicated and I don't want anything to do with it. Anything where I have to get a tape measure out to find out how far I can go instead of counting squares, I'm done. <laughs> um, but I bought the miniatures to go with and I would read the lore, get the codex and things and find out all the stuff about them and then I'd paint them all. Um, but I haven't done that since I was, yeah, about 10. Um, and so when Griffin Co. like offered and sent me a ton of stuff, I was like, oh, this is all unpainted. I guess I know what I'm doing now. <laughs> so I picked up my paintbrushes and I'm, I'm really lucky to know a lot of really, really cool people who paint at an incredible level and terrain build and they've helped me and they've shown me how to make um, full terrain pieces and set pieces out of insulation foam, like this stuff in the corner of my studio right there, like two inch foam that I have to carve up and make things out of um, people like uh, Jay's tabletop and uh, God DM uh, Ray over there. If you know him, um, those guys have helped me learn how to do that. And then, one of my one of my bros, Iron Tusk Painting, um, he he actually um, did all of the miniature painting for season two of Critical Role. Wow! Um, yeah, yeah. So he's he's showing me how to three D print, and he's giving me. He's like, no, you need this brush, and just sending it to me, like links and stuff. Like the community is just incredible. And it's, it's very much like the voice acting community. Like everyone's out to help one another. Everyone wants to see each other succeed. And, and I just, I love that. I love that so much. I think a lot of people don't realize that, you know, the role-playing game community, uh, there's so many, there's so many industries and there's so many uh, uh, hobbies where people are always trying to one up each other. And this is not one of them. This is not the community. Everybody, like you said, is so excited to help you. What I love about our hobby, we are painting miniatures, we're building terrain, we're uh, getting in the wood shop and making beautiful DM screens, right? We're, we're doing these things, these artistic things that just constantly feeds our creativity and our imagination. And to be able to be a part of a hobby like this and to allow our families to be a part of a hobby like this mm -hmm. with the children playing in the games and painting miniatures and drawing their characters and creating these things. Uh, I know families that sew their own dice bags and things like that. And it's, it's just incredible. It's almost endless. The amount of creativity that comes from us all sitting around the table and telling stories 
uh, like Welsh folk do. So, yeah. Welsh uh, folk, yes. so, <laughs> yeah. So, so there's, um, so I'm going to name drop again because yes, I have to, I have to name drop as many of my friends <laughs> as possible because they're, they're just incredible. Um, family fantasy RPG. If you know, Yes, Colin. I do. Yeah, yeah no fantastic. Colin. So, yes, so Colin's he has been on the show. Own. We had him on last season. Well, there um, you go. Yeah, I didn't know that. So yes. Colin has his own like fairy world based, like very young, accessible tabletop system as well. So I was going to name drop that, but you've already had him on. So yes, I guess you, I guess you name dropped him for like an hour. So <laughs> <laughs> what's next down the pipe? Because you 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 kind of you kind of showed your cards a little bit, Jay, and you said you said you always had that next level planned out. So give give us a little insight. Where are we going? What what what's the next big adventure? Okay, all right. So I will I will drop that. Um, Ian from Iron Tusk Painting has agreed to like whenever it fits in his schedule. He's going to come in and stream with us doing the mini painting. So he's going to, you know, teach me how to not paint bonk guys. Because, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> minis, like you fit, it's the last touch. <laughs> and you're like, ah, no, they're pointing in opposite directions. <laughs> um, so and we always make jokes about that. But uh, he, so he's going to be there, which is really cool because I'm going to, be stupid while painting and he's going to be like don't do that <laughs> and so you might hear some really cool painting tips on uh by by learning from my mistakes <laughs> um so ian's going to be involved which is awesome because he's one of my bros and uh, i love him to bits and um yeah other things other things so um diane will actually be moving to the same um the same town as me wow as well if if the stars align that's what's going to happen and so we've talked about doing insight check as like a fireside chat on a couch with us both being next to each other and then interacting with the chat because we like to be immersive in the storytelling during the games and so we want the other shows to be very uh interactive with everyone as well and so if you want to come and hang out and paint minis with us, we're going to chat to you while you type to us. Nice. Or we're going to answer questions and things, or, you know, we'll have a list of questions for our guests and inside check. But if chat comes up with a really good one, you bet we're going to bounce to that. Um, and uh, other things, other things. Wow. Um, um, so we're going to have a, a YouTube channel that's going to host uh, the long-term of the episodes so that they don't get lost in the ether. Mm -hmm. um, so they're going to uh, sit over there, but we're also going to um, film like little skits and things. And so we're thinking about releasing those early to Patreon and then uh, at a much later date, releasing them onto YouTube and things in order to support. So we'll make like funny skits. So I know these characters don't mean a lot to you, but um, without context, but Lillian, the, the vampire almost queen, and Lucius, my Goliath bard with a strength of six. <laughs> Just to give you a, a visual image of how live he is. Um, we're going to do um, like fireside chats with wine tasting because that's how they bonded was over drinking wine. So although I can't cast mage hand and hold my glass in my mage hand. So 
which is the only reason I took that spell. <laughs> you know, maybe Patreon will help support some kind of uh, special yeah. effects uh, for Mei <laughs> Yes. So, yeah, I mean, the, the channel is twitch.tv forward slash swole initiative network, S-W-O-L-E initiative. We should all know how to spell initiative if we're here. <laughs> network. Um, and I would love everyone to, to come and see poke fun at i don't i don't care like i'm i'm there for a laugh i'm there for a good time and that's that's been basically our mission statement is not making it um a really try hard to succeed thing we're gonna go out there as friends and just have fun and in my opinion if the more fun that we have that is genuine and not pressured the more successful it'll be anyway, because people will just see that happening. And I, I've always been as, as as genuine as I could be across social media and everything. So uh, I like to continue that onto the, the Twitch channel, but we're going to be pushing um, for affiliate if we don't already reach it by the time that we launch. Um, so any any follows and views and things help us out there. Uh, and then once we reach affiliate, then subscriptions will be open. And those we're not, we're not taking coffee money out of that. We're just going to fund it back into the channel to produce more and more cool content and, and great, easily digestible stuff for people to watch. So, yeah. Amazing stuff. Fantastic. Jay, your journey from lonely choose your own adventure guy. <laughs> to the swole initiative is so amazing thank you jay thank you for being an inspiration to all of us thank you for your contributions to the gaming community thank you for sharing your story with us and we can't wait to see what happens on the swole initiative network following it on twitch right now and uh can't wait for the launch on february 21st jay Nick, thanks thank again thank you so much for having me it's been a pleasure man